about that time, so if everybody can find a chair, I'll, uh, I'll say some totally worthless information that you already know. <laughs> Welcome to Christ Community Church. Uh, this is the Sunday school hour, but uh, the entire wonderful uh, Kennedy clan is here uh, today, or at least the Colorado branch of the Kennedy clan. Uh, so, and as long as well as uh, Brian and Cindy Dinker, you know, and and Sammy, Sammy Williams, or somewhere. Yep. So, uh, thanks for coming. Uh, we're just gonna hand it right over to Stephen. For uh, for those of y'all who didn't make it to the banquet Thursday night, uh, this is a great opportunity to catch up with what's going on in Iowa and in Ethiopia and elsewhere. So, I give you. Stephen Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been cheered before. <laughs> um, as standing here, the protocol then, Craig, you set a precedent. Now I have to do it. So, yeah, okay. Well, it's always a joy. What's that? Unless you feel like you've got to get out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> run when stuff starts being thrown. Uh, it's always a joy and privilege to be back with you all uh, here. This is home church uh, for us, and uh, you all have continued to have a, a profound impact in the way that we think, in the way that we live, in the way that we do ministry um, in Ethiopia, in Colorado. Uh, and so I called Nick and said we were coming into town. I said, we just want to worship with you all. But if there's a way that we can be an encouragement by sharing update on what's going on, I know you all support us and you pray for us. And so we want you to know what's going on in the ministry and in our lives. Um, but we were just happy to be with you today. So I, um, you know, we're family here. Throw, throw something at me or raise your hand if you got questions or want more clarification on things. But I just, I want you to be encouraged this morning. Um, that the Lord sees you and he knows you. He sees uh, your struggles and your weaknesses and he delights in you as his children uh, because he has hidden you in his beloved son um, by his spirit. And so I want to share a few updates this morning and then if we have time, um, maybe look at a passage of scripture briefly as a word of encouragement. What time do we need to wrap up? 10.15, Okay. All right, sounds good. Well, um, all, uh, several of you have been in Ethiopia with me, uh, and you know that when Nagash says it's time to preach, you, you can go for two hours. Nobody cares. So, uh, so feel free to throw something at me. Um, but uh, I just wanted to give you, first of all, a little bit of a ministry update. As you guys know, we live in uh, Colorado, close to Shelley's family, and uh, our church there has an office that they let me use a few days a week, and then some days of the week I work from our house. Uh, we've got, um, I'll talk about that a little bit more later, a little horse barn with an old tack room that I've converted to a study office. And there's no internet, so it's wonderful for days that I need to study and write. I don't get distracted with urgent emails. Um, but, uh, but I spend a lot of time on the phone, um, primarily with Ethiopia um, every week with the guys there and able to just walk with them through things that are going on and, and be able to communicate regularly with them. Um, the, um, 
Uh, a few things for several of you were at the banquet the other night, but I wanted to kind of expand a few of those stories and let you know a little bit more about what's going on in Ethiopia because so many of you know the ministry of IOI and been connected for years with us. But um, most of you know that Ayela, the founder and director of the TLC Child Care Project, passed away at the end of last year with COVID, and he was Nagash's son-in-law. And, um, and through that whole process, it has, has shaken deeply the whole ministry in a lot of ways because not only was he the, the founder and the director of TLC and overseeing that whole ministry, but he was deeply connected with the, the minister support side of IOI as well. He did all of our accounting in Ethiopia. Um, he did a lot of going out to the countryside and encouraging churches and was on the leadership team there. And so uh, he served in like all of us with IOI. It feels like you wear multiple hats uh, with a small ministry. You guys know how that is. Um, and so uh, he, it, his death affected all of us deeply. And we wondered, um, as Anna said at the banquet, can TLC even continue? What, what is this going to look like? And the Lord was gracious to bring um, people in the ministry that he was already raising up uh, to take Yale's place. And, uh, and we, while we were there in March, we were talking through, I was riding in the truck with Fakadu, and we were talking through, how are we going to get the accounting together? How are we going to get this and figure it out? And who's going to fulfill that role? And as we began to talk and pray about it, it was like the Lord had already put those people all around us. We didn't have to, like, send out a job search or, you know, receive applicants. The Lord had already brought people to us that were being trained and raised up um, into those roles. And, and that's an encouragement to me within, within the leadership in Ethiopia, how they intentionally are pouring themselves into those around them. Uh, so all of us, you know, one day we're not going to be doing the roles that we're doing. Uh, and, um, and the Lord is raising up people behind us that we get to pour into to take those roles over. And so in Ethiopia, we, we began to see individuals that the Lord had already placed around us to take the accounting role is Meherit's who was Shelly's friend and helper uh, in so many ways when we lived there. And then when we moved home, became Cindy's friend and helper and does lots of translating for Cindy. And she had uh, a couple, three years ago, started taking accounting courses uh, to get certified as an accountant and was like, I'm not sure how this fits in with who I am and my work within you know, the church and ministry, but I think this is a good idea. And so she had taken all these courses, but then didn't know what she was going to do with that. And then all of a sudden, IOI needs an accountant to take care of our books. And the Lord's already prepared somebody uh, who is trustworthy and gifted uh, that we get to, to see in that role. And then within TLC, um, there were uh, the whole staff there. Yela had poured his heart and his life into not only the kids, but the staff as well, who were able to step up and to fulfill that role. One of the things that we've seen actually over just the past few weeks um, come to a little more clarity is Ayala's um, widow, Aster, who is Nagash's daughter, really felt like, um, and the staff of TLC felt like, we need to see Aster be a part of TLC, not just separated from it, because TLC was such a, a part of who her husband was and their life as a family. We don't want her to just feel like, well, now I'm the widow and TLC goes on without me. And she felt like she wanted to make sure that Ayala's original vision of seeing whole families transformed by the tangible demonstration of Christ's love and the proclamation of his gospel. She wanted to see that fulfilled. And so uh, the question began, what does that look like? 
does she just take over the leadership of TLC? Does she volunteer? Does she, how does she work? And the way the Ethiopian government works with uh, organizations like TLC is completely different than here. Um, they come in periodically and they want to make sure that there's no financial misconduct and mismanagement. And so they'll come in and say, are there any family members of... Uh, of employees who are spending time here and spending time with their families here and because uh, they want to make sure that they're not just hiring all their cousins and friends and all that kind of stuff and funneling all the funds to their own pockets essentially and so there's a lot of regulation on who can and who can't work within an organization like TLC and it felt really complicated on that side from the government side but also relationally how do you um, honor Ayala's widow and then also make sure that she has the qualifications that are needed for leading this huge organization of lots of government contacts and all those kinds of things. And so originally when we started talking about it, it was like all of the leadership team in Ethiopia were overwhelmed with how do we do this and not cause relational tension or get us in trouble with the government. It kind of seemed a little bit impossible. But over the, the weeks that followed, we began to talk and to pray. And, and I feel like this is part of my role is just listening to them kind of process and dialogue through things and then praying with them through it and then watching the Lord bring about his plan and calm all of our fears and show us that our fears have been unwarranted. It's like somewhere we heard something about don't be anxious about anything. Um, but I don't know where exactly that is found. Um, but we, we as humans, we're always worried that something, it's all going to fall apart because we think it's actually up to us. Uh, and then the Lord is faithful and shows that he's actually in control and working. And so just in the past couple of weeks, uh, at the end of hours and hours and hours on the phone with Ethiopia through this whole process, um, Nitz Ahmed, who is taking over the director position, the interim director position for TLC, who was a student of Brian's, uh, in his Bible college classes and then got connected with TLC through that and started working. Now she's the interim director. She said, um, I was on the phone with Nitz Ahmed and Anna and she said, well, there is this one idea, but I don't think it would work. And then as we started talking through it, we're like, that's exactly what would work. We've gone through six or seven other ideas that haven't come to fruition, but that would be perfect. And as we prayed about it and talked about it and talked with the TLC board in Ethiopia, it's like the Lord is just bringing it all together so that Aster, Ayala's widow, can be deeply involved with TLC legally and not create any difficulty for her or for TLC. And relationally, they've come together and just had this great, harmonious conversation and relationship uh, with Aster being concerned about TLC and about Nitsanet and Nitsanet being concerned about Aster and about her family. And so it's just encouraging to see that doesn't happen in the world, right? Everybody's concerned for their own good and their own advancement, not for the good of the other. And to see the Lord and his kindness transform hearts so that we're concerned about the good of the other and, uh, and working out very complicated things. So, so, um, so we've been encouraged to see what the Lord's doing within TLC. I shared at the banquet briefly about Melissa, one of our um, ministers, and some of you have met Melissa. He's just the sweetest minister in the world. He, before he was married, uh, we would give him his support and he would give it all away to poor people before he got home. And then he wouldn't have anything to eat for the month. And uh, he developed stomach problems because he wasn't eating regularly enough, developed health issues from that. And we kept encouraging him, brother, you need to eat. You need to take, you know, we're giving you this support to care for you. It's great that you're generous. But he, uh, one time, 
we gave him a new pair of shoes because the shoes were all worn out and he gave them away on his way home. And uh, so then he had a family and he continued to give everything away and his church started supporting him. But as soon as he would get his support from the church, he would just put it back in the offering plate and then his family's not getting enough. And so we just encouraged him, the Lord's providing for your family. Receive the gift and the kindness of the Lord and, and care for your kids. If you prepared a gift for your own child and they rejected it, um, how would that make you feel as a father? So let's think about the Lord's providing for your needs that you're concerned about and your family's needs. So receive this gift from the Lord. And so for Melissa, you know, to, to give is a great joy and ease for him, but to receive is actually quite difficult. But he has been working in the same church for years, and he is really, really gifted with discipling um, and caring for and evangelizing youth within the community, young people in the community. I mean, you walk in his neighborhood, and everybody knows him, and everybody cares about him. Um, but his elders in his church wanted him to start just filling office hours, just be in the office, and it doesn't matter uh, if you don't have anything to do, we want you in the office from these hours. And he wasn't having enough time to do one-on-one discipleship and meeting and being in the community. And he was really struggling with that. Um, and after Ayala's death, we were looking at needing somebody to uh, spend more time with the older boys in the TLC project, pouring into them and discipling them where Ayala was doing that. And we didn't have somebody for that role. And we talked about, well, Melissa would be great for that, but he doesn't have the time. And he wants to be doing those kinds of things, but he's constrained by these required office hours. And so he thought about walking away from the church and just uh, doing more kind of on his own, doing evangelism and discipleship. And we encouraged him, if you're going to leave the church that you've been at for years, it needs to be with the blessing of the elders, or let's just pray about it. Let's see what the Lord does. And so we started praying about it, and then he goes into a meeting with his elders, and they said, you know, we've been thinking you're really good relationally with young people, so we want to cut back all those office hours and just let you go spend time discipling and evangelizing and doing what God's given you to do. He didn't even have to bring it up. He didn't have to be the originator of the idea or, like, quit his job. And so he just rejoiced to see that. So Melissa is now working with the leadership of TLC, uh, doing some discipleship there. He's also spending time intentionally with... Um, uh, Ayala's sons who now don't have a dad trying to work into caring for them and counseling and discipling them and, and filling that role and encouraging them spiritually and he's doing weekly meetings with Fakadu's kids Ayala's kids um, and I'm trying to think who else he's got a group of a handful of teenagers he's doing discipleship with that are all of the the, the leadership team of IOI ministers, uh, he's coming alongside and helping care for their kids. And so it's just been a joy to see these ways that the Lord helps his ministers to thrive within their gift set uh, as we wait on him and as we, as we pray and look to his, uh, his provision. Um, most of you know we have a, the theological education uh, program in the countryside where uh, I, it's just been amazing to see how the Lord has been blessing Fakadu in that ministry. Um, He's going out sometimes every two weeks, sometimes every three, sometimes once a month, depending on the weather and the farmer's schedules. But at least once a month, he's going out and teaching. We are getting close to wrapping up our, is this our fourth class? If you count the two certificate levels, and then this will be the second diploma level class uh, that we're graduating. And, um, And just to see the maturity and the growth that's happening and to see... Uh, what Fakadu's doing is he, he also he tells the guys there, you know, 
this isn't just for you to sit and absorb this information. I want, as part of your work, I want you to be teaching what you're learning here within your local churches. And so there's dozens of local churches that have begun Bible studies and theology study groups within their churches based off of the material they're learning in Busa at the central village. And, uh, and so th- there's really this ministry of multiplication um, broadly. But then also Fakadu has said, you know, I'm not going to be doing this forever. One day I'm not going to be in the picture. So he's taken two young men that he's really focused in on and taking uh, uh, an interest in their lives, their marriages, their families, and really taking them under his wing to be discipling them. So they're helping him with grading papers and, um, and administration within the classes. And he's pouring into them, hoping that then they'll take his role in doing the teaching and training and things and be able to, to multiply and go out from there. So, so there's just really encouraging things with the theological education department going on there. Um, many of you know about the Suki church plant um, that we had the privilege of being a part of and starting there that was influenced deeply by this church um, and the the format of the worship the the look of the church was influenced very deeply by you all um, as we were living there and dialoguing through what the church is going to look like um, uh, it was a joy to be able to bring so many of the things that we learned and experienced here to that church there um, Suki is not a big church still. <laughs> it's like this, this small little awkward group of, of people that, uh, that the Lord's actually doing great things through and, and transforming individuals. There's one lady, Nuguse, um, who was there, uh, no, Nagist, um, it's, Nuguse is the man form, Nagist is, Nuguse is king, Nagist is queen. I'm sorry, Cindy was going to get me on that one. Um, so Nagis uh, had been coming for a while, and when she first began coming, she was like, I don't, I don't know why I'm coming, but I don't believe what you all are doing here. And then about six months in, one day she just said, I don't know when it happened, but I'm one of you now. I believe what you're saying. I believe these things that you're, that you're teaching. And it's just encouraging in those ways to see the Lord working faithfully in the lives of most of the congregation are women who have been abandoned um, and are raising kids with chronic illness, whether it's AIDS, TB, um, whatever, that that they're facing and living in little shacks built out of trash. um, And we get the joy of coming alongside of them and serving them and uh, encouraging them in the Lord. But Suki, uh, even though the local body hasn't grown very much, the leadership team that's there is amazing. and Fakadu is one of the elders there. Gazao is one of the elders there. Jason, uh, who is a friend of ours who came through NTW, uh, is one of the elders there. And they began to work through, maybe this church is not going to grow a lot, but how do we pour into the lives of other elders and pastors and church planters in the area and basically form a little denomination or presbytery that could could then grow and plant other churches. And so for two years, they've been teaching and training a group of men, uh, 12 other men uh, outside of their leadership team. And they've like gone through the entire Westminster Confession with them. They've gone through some, some heavier theology with them and are preparing these men to plant 12 other churches in the area. And it's 
been so good to see their growth and maturity. Uh, this little church that has about the same numbers as you on Sunday morning are now working at training and raising up 12 other churches uh, at the same time. Um, it's just phenomenal. And um, so we get the privilege with our theological training program to come in and do training in the countryside. Um, or to send instructors to do training in the countryside. And then they'll do three days of teaching in the countryside and then come in and do two days in Addis. And they get all of our ministers in Addis, but then this leadership training group, these church planters come in and get to sit in on that teaching and, and be built up and fortified in sound doctrine for going out and, um, and planting these churches. So just continue praying uh, for these areas of ministry. Um, Cindy shared a little bit about Gazal. Some of you have met Gazal. He was one of the elders at the Suki church plant and still is and part of that leadership team that's training up these uh, church planters and uh, his wife passed away in January probably Um, and when we were there in March we just spent a couple hours sitting and crying and talking about her last days and uh, just being physically together you can send emails you can do phone calls but there's something very different about actually being in the same space. Um, and uh, there's this sense in which it's almost like we get to peek into what Christ has done in the incarnation, that he didn't just drop a scroll out of heaven for us, didn't just uh, send a phone call to us, but he came and he dwelt among us and he drew near to us. And so uh, there's something different about being present and being together um, where we can experience joys and griefs together and share um, in this incarnational ministry. But Gazelle is just, man, I, I get to talk to him periodically on the phone and uh, love that brother, but getting to sit with him um, is just such a joy uh, to watch him process one of the deepest griefs that you can ever process um, and, and process it well with actually hoping in the gospel in healthy ways. Um, and uh, so, so continue praying for our brother Gazal. He, last week, they had been um, building a house for their family. Um, they've been living with his father-in-law, been building a house for years. Uh, because in Ethiopia, you don't get a building loan. <laughs> you save up and buy two bags of concrete and do what you can with that. And then you save up and buy two more bags of concrete and cinder blocks. And so for years, he's been building this house. And his wife, after she found out she had cancer, kept wondering, will I get to see the house finished? Um, and wondering and you know about that and I talked to him a couple of weeks ago and they were moving into the new house and he was just weeping and saying she never got to live in the new house and uh, and I wanted to prepare this home for her Um, and uh, so there's a lot of change and a lot of grief that's connected there but uh, in the same uh, token there's um, yeah this this reality that we as the people of God are longing to see the home that we don't get to see right now, that Christ is preparing for us, um, that we're longing for uh, Christ to come and to, to, to redeem and to fix things like this, um, where, uh, where the hope is not realized, where uh, the cancer is not healed, where um, she doesn't get to see the home. But there's going to be a day when Christ wipes away those tears. And he, uh, through the resurrection and the reconciliation of all things under him, uh, is, is going to make this right. Um, and being able to hope in that is a, is a gift for us as believers. Um, in the future, we're looking at uh, a few different things that are going on um, that I'd ask for your prayers about. Um, in October, uh, October 10th, I'm looking at going to Ethiopia with our pastor in Colorado, and he and I are going to tag team 
teach through uh, the book of Isaiah in the countryside and then also in the city for the ministers there. And we're taking with us a young man who just graduated from high school and wanted to do a gap year missions experience. And uh, so uh, they were talking to me as the missions deacon at our church. And I said, well, I kind of have a couple of connections if you want to go somewhere. I I did the same thing uh, in Ethiopia. So we're taking him over. He and I have been meeting weekly for discipleship and prepping him to go and studying through the book of Ephesians and, you know, just all of these things that many of us have had the privilege of doing here and uh, get to take Wesley and drop him off and leave him in Ethiopia, which is terrifying for him, but it's like home for me. So I don't know what he's really scared about, Uh, but I love having an opportunity like that. That's, you know, it's this new, fresh, scary, big thing for somebody. But for us, it's like, we're going home to family, you know? Um, And so it's this really gracious gift of the Lord. Uh, to have have these brothers and sisters in Ethiopia that we get to serve alongside of. Um, Lord willing, our family wants to go late January, early February for a couple of months. Um, Our girls are a little mad at me every time I go to Ethiopia without them. Um, and, and, uh, but we're, we're hoping to be able to go again as a family. Um, we've had multiple times over the past couple of years that we had planned to go. We had tickets to go, but uh, there was this whole COVID thing that made it difficult. Then there was civil war in Ethiopia. There was civil unrest, and we were asked to hang on a little bit. And so we're hoping and planning for that. So pray that the Lord would make that clear and provide for us to be able to go again as a family. Um, a couple of updates on, um, on our family. Um, just over a year ago, uh, we were surprised to find out we were expecting again, and we're kind of like, oh, wow, we weren't anticipating this. But then we actually had a miscarriage, um, and that really shook us pretty deeply. And we began to think we weren't anticipating uh, having another baby, but it opened our hearts and our minds again to that, that possibility. And so then we have a little boy now uh, by the Lord's <laughs> kindness. After four girls, the Lord decided to shake things up and uh, to add a little boy to the mix. And Andrew is right at three months old. And uh, he has five wonderful mothers who <laughs> take really big care of him. So uh, he is... Uh, for the first month of his life, I'm not sure he was ever sat down, yeah. but uh, every once in a while he gets to lay down now, but uh, he is really well taken care of and a blessing. Um, we, after Shelly's mom died, um, we began to see, um, which was four years ago, um, I think, four, five years ago now, um, we uh, moved to Colorado, um, or we moved back from Ethiopia because the board of IOI asked me to take a position here. And so came back, but they said we could live in Colorado because her mom had had a brain tumor at that point and to be close to the family through that process. And after, after she died, um, we began to see that Shelly's dad would have great days and bad days and understandably so. Um, And uh, I wouldn't do well living by myself again. Uh, And just the discouragement of that, the hardship of that, and so we wanted him to live with some of us, and we talked about it, but our house wasn't great for that, and uh, Shelly's sister, uh, Kelly, their house wasn't perfectly suited for that. So about a year ago, a little over, well, a year and a half ago, we started praying about could there be a possibility of us doing something together where we could all um, work together uh, to, to house uh, our families, but also care for him and reach out to him, and Shelly has a, a sister with special needs.
needs that we wanted to be able to have a place if she wanted to live with us as well. So um, after looking at several different places, the Lord provided this great little quirky spot that used to be a horse place and dog breeding and all that stuff and had a couple of manufactured homes on it. And so we now have 36 acres with two houses on it for Shelly's sister and their four kids and then our kids and we're in the other house and it had two full RV hookups and you guys several of you remember the birds Brandon and Melissa Bird um, were living in northern Colorado about 45 minutes away and for Susan uh, Melissa's mom they had bought a tiny home to live right next to them well they had only had it right at a year and they're moving to Michigan just moved to Michigan and they said hey we can't take the tiny home um would you guys need it for your property and gave it to us at a great price and so we were able to move that and put it on the RV hookups for Shelly's dad and he's Lord willing closing on selling his town home um, next week and moving out there as well so there's been a lot of work needed on the property um, and uh, elimination of feral cats uh, that were making a mess and some of those fun things Uh, but it's been a joy to be able to, to be there last time I was in Ethiopia I'm it was just a joy for me to be there and to know that Shelly's right there with family and the girls and if they need anything or when we go as a family to Ethiopia to have the, the house on property with family. It's just just a blessing. It's also been a place where we've gotten to do a lot of hospitality of um, uh, meals with folks, um, worship evenings uh, out there with our church, with Jack Kelly's church. Uh, just just a special place that we wanted to open up for hospitality for folks. And so uh, that's been a joy for us. At our church, um, I get to spend a lot of time up there with the pastoral staff and uh, dialoguing with them. I get to do discipleship with, uh, with young men within the church. Um, <coughs> recently, they've been talking about wanting to put together a leadership training or theological training program. And uh, several of the men have been to seminary and different things, but they're like, hey, from what I understand from Ethiopia and your church in Tennessee, you're kind of the only one who has experience of doing this within a local church context. So can we dialogue through what that looks like and how your experience could help shape what we're doing? And so it's it's been a joy um, to think through lots of the experiences that we've had here of one-on-one discipleship, of theological growth and education uh, it, are bearing fruit um, in Colorado with our church there. So, so thank you. Thank you for the ways that you've poured into us um, and be encouraged that even though sometimes you may not see a whole lot of fruit right here, the Lord is using you in ways that you don't see and using um, comments that you've made or time that you've poured into us um, and words of encouragement to your prayers. Uh, he's using these things in ways that you may never know. And I just wanted to encourage you in that today. Um, that's why I wanted to share is that you're a part of this. And Nagash always likes to say, when I mean, we'll be hiking off in the backside of nowhere, Ethiopia, and he'll say, with us are all the people who are supporting us in prayer and financially. Um, they're all going with us, even though they're not here right now. They're walking with us. And so I think about that often with you all, that you're here. Um, and whether it's ministry in Colorado, ministry in Ethiopia, you're going with us and you're sharing an inheritance of this work. So be encouraged. Um, I want to maybe very briefly um, look at a passage in Hebrews uh, as a word of encouragement to us all today. Um, in Hebrews uh, in chapter 4, there's a passage that um, 
that you all have probably looked at in more depth, and there are many, many things that we could say here, but I want to maybe just pull out a couple of thoughts this morning. Uh, starting in verse 8, you know, the writer of Hebrews is talking about this rest for the people of God, this rest that Moses was insufficient to give them, that Joshua was insufficient to give them. So in verse 8, he says, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered into God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty tired and pretty worn out. Um, I get uh, discouraged. Uh, I feel beaten down significantly uh, many times. And the idea of, uh, of entering into the rest that God has prepared for us, of ceasing from my labor, sounds really, really good. It's a word of hope for me. But I have this problem that I hear that word of hope, and then right behind it comes a deluge of anxiety, of uh, feeling overwhelmed, of feeling beaten down, of feeling like i got to do a little bit more work to earn that rest. Uh, I need to do just a few more things to complete what's necessary to finish my work so that I can enter into the Sabbath. And I feel like that word here almost feels like this teaser that we get in the Old Testament in places like Genesis 3 where the Lord says that he's going to send one to crush the head of the serpent. And then it looks like the serpent's actually winning through most of the Old Testament. Um, and this, this promise, this word of hope, often is followed up with a word of the law, a word that, that slays us, a word that brings us to the end of ourselves. And there's wonderful things that are contained in this next part. But for me, it actually almost at times seems to nullify this call to enter into rest. In verse 11, it says, let us therefore strive to enter into that rest, which feels a little ironic. I'm going to be honest. Strive to enter into the rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Talking about how the the people of Israel failed to enter into the rest. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, from our great judge's sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. By the time I finish reading that, that whole thing about rest is a distant memory. Um, I feel that the Lord has hemmed me in, that he tells me to strive to enter into the rest. And then he says, and I see all the way down into the deepest part of you, and you can't escape my vision. I can look on the outside like I'm doing okay. I can say the right things. I can do even the right things. But this passage tells me that I can't escape him knowing the deep, dark things that I don't even want to acknowledge about myself, much less let anybody else see about me. That I can't escape that. Um, It brings me to the end of myself, that I am striving to enter into that rest, and I can't do it. I'm insufficient to look back at my work and say that it is very good and now I deserve rest. But the Lord follows up this word that feels like the law, that feels like the slaying of me. 
he follows it up with the word of the gospel, um, which is the word of fulfillment of hope for us. In verse 14, it says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect, uh, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, and yet is without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find help in our time of need. Um, The one who is the judge, who looks into the deepest part of us and, and sees every bit of it, knows every bit of our brokenness, has drawn near to us. The one who sees our weaknesses has called himself our great high priest and has drawn near to mediate for us. And we, we confess this truth. Some days we don't feel it. A lot of days, actually, I don't feel it. But we confess the hope that we draw near and we enter into the rest because of the work of another. This passage is not talking about how I'm going to be able to accomplish entering into the rest. I think about um, when we look at Genesis uh, and we see the creation order we look in Genesis 2 at the creation of mankind in one and then flowing into two. God creates man on the sixth day, and the seventh day is a day of rest. So what is the first day of man's existence? It's the day of rest. We tend to flip it, especially in our society, and we say we work six days and kind of earn the seventh day of rest, but that's backwards. God has worked and he's brought us in to the day of saying, my work is good, and it is sufficient, and it is complete. And now we go out resting in his completed work for us. We don't go out working to enter into rest. We work because we are resting in his perfect and completed work. We go out saying that his work is finished. It is finished when Jesus says it is finished on the cross. He means it. And the Lord says, that work is good. It is sufficient. It is enough. And he has passed through the heavens. He is seated on the throne because there's no more work to be done for our salvation, for our redemption, for us to enter into that rest. It has been completed in the person of Jesus for us. And so that last section about rest has nothing to do with how I'm feeling today, my anxiety levels today, how I'm... uh, whether I did my Bible time enough today or how my prayer life felt this morning has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the completed and perfect work of Christ. And we are now to enter into that rest. And we are to rest in the fact that the Lord in his kindness has completed everything that's necessary for our salvation in his work on the cross. And I'm to rest in that. But I have a problem. I'm an idolater by heart. And in me, I don't rest. I I hear that, I teach that, I say that, and immediately I function as though I gain the favor of God through what I do and what I avoid. I don't rest in this. And I turn resting itself into a new work. I turn resting itself into the new thing that I've got to pull together and strive for. But here... We have the reminder that today Christ 
is seated on the throne. And in our place, not only has he fulfilled the law, not only has he paid for our breaking the law, but today he's even resting in his work for us. So even on the days of my anxiety, he is resting in the work for me. And I can, I can confess that, whether I feel it or not. So today, rejoice. We have a great high priest who knows us to the very deepest, darkest parts of who we are and yet delights to call us his children as it has completed everything so that we go out as his people resting in his finished work. And, and when we rest, he says it's done for us. Um, so I just want to encourage you with that today. And I also would just like to pray for you um, before we wrap up um, because you all pray for us regularly. And we pray for you, but we don't get to do it in the same space frequently. So I just, if it's okay, I'd like to wrap up by praying for you all um, for the church here. So. Almighty God, we give you thanks and praise that in your kindness you have bestowed your love upon us. Uh, that you have called us your children, not because we're good, not because we earned it, not because we're complete in and of ourselves, not because of the good works that we have done or the bad things that we've avoided, but you have looked at us in the middle of our brokenness and our weakness, and you have chosen to bestow upon us the righteousness of your beloved Son. That by grace you have given us to inherit what belongs to him by nature. And so we worship and praise you and we say thank you. And we call to you as our Father and ask that you would fortify us in resting in the, the perfect and completed work of Christ. And thank you, even on the days when our anxieties are great, when we're feeling overwhelmed, when we're feeling discouraged, when my heart condemns me. Thank you that you are greater than my heart. Thank you that you have completed the work and what is necessary, that you have given us everything that is necessary for life and godliness in Christ Jesus. In Christ, you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And we can rejoice today that we have a high priest who knows our weaknesses and yet delights to call us his own. So we bless you and we praise you. I pray for Christ Community Church. I thank you for this body for this little body, this place, this hidden place where uh, you are continuing to be present with your people and work. I pray that you would bless them, that you would strengthen them, that you would sustain them. Lord, that your spirit would be present here. We pray, oh God, thanking you for the gift of this place and thanking you uh, for your love for the body gathered here. Lord, I know many here are struggling deeply with things that um, some of us know about and some of us don't, that there are hurts that are present in this room that are so deep there's not even words for them. There are pains, there are discouragements, there are fears about the future that, uh, that feel like we can't even speak them. But Lord Jesus, thank you that you know the number of hairs that are on our head, that you know these deep thoughts that we don't share with even our closest friends and yet you look upon us and your thoughts of us are more numerous than the sands on the seashore thank you that you are present with us 
in our suffering and in our struggles. Lord Jesus, I pray for each person here that you would encourage and strengthen them, that you would remind them that you see and that you know them, that you are acquainted with their grief, that you know their sorrows, that you aren't distant from them in their burdens, but that you draw near in their time of need. Lord, would you be with us as we sing praises to your name, as we sit under your word, as we confess the faith together, as we partake of the Eucharist. Would you strengthen us for the week ahead because we are weak. Would you nourish us with spiritual food because we are famished. Would you fortify us in the truth because we are easily shaken. And we give you praise that you will present us body and soul blameless on the last day because you have promised to do it and you are faithful. And we pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God who lives and reigns now and forever. Amen. Uh, before we break up, since we've got Ryan and Cindy here, uh, can we get a, kind of an update on what your progress is toward mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we, we talked with Stephen and, um, and Patrick and Russ, and it's okay to... Talk yeah. about the day. Sure. Yeah. yeah, the board meeting is tomorrow night to make everything you know official. But the plan is. <laughs> hey, there's a board meeting tomorrow night. If you're free. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that we would go back uh, somewhere around November twentieth that week probably. Um, and there's a couple here in town, DC Tally and his wife Juanita. That have been planning. He's gone. They've been planning to go together, and so I think we'll they'll go with us, and um, we'll go back and try to be there five or six months. Is the idea? Um, the The X factor is how my back does. You know, I've had a couple of epidurals, and they haven't worked. And next, or in about three, about two and a half weeks, I'm having six shots in my back to try to help those nerves. Um, but I think we just finally decided whether or not I can get my back straight. I mean, I'm going to be in pain here or I'm going to be in pain there, you know. So just go on back and be in pain there. That's kind of kind of what I'm expecting, you know. <laughs> Hopefully this next these six shots will just be fantastic. Who knows? But um, I may not be able to do everything I want to do there. I may do a lot of stuff slow there. But Cindy will be going 100%, you know, and, and I'll be there 50%. So... Um, that's worth it. So we're gonna try to go back. Um, a different thing this time is, and this, this is asking you guys to pray. Uh, in order to go back, we have to raise the money for the tickets, about you know twenty six hundred dollars. So you guys pray. I'm not asking for you guys to give the money. You guys pray, and then people, other people will give the money, and we'll get our buy our tickets and and be ready to take off. So. Thanks for letting me. All right. Update. Yeah. Well, thank you. And thank you, Stephen. Let's go now. Thank you.